Before we begin our study tonight, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week is one of our favorite Torah portions, Lach Lecha. Can you say that with me? Lach Lecha. And it's an introduction to the call of Abraham. And all of us who are joined uh, to the God of Israel, either through our ancestors or through the fathers of our faith or through Messiah, uh, we need to know something, and that is the call of Abraham has an impact on us. One of the reasons why the Jewish people like to pray to God and say, O Lord, blessed are you, O Lord our God, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, is because we feel this family connection to God. And sometimes we can't say, well, we're coming on the basis of our merit, but we'll say, remember our father Abraham. Paul said in Romans that God is faithful to the patriarchs, meaning to the fathers. He's faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, to keep faith with the Jewish people, even at times when we're not keeping faith with him. But we can say that our relationship with God is really connected to our family. And all of us who are descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are part of one big family. In this family, this mishpocha, can you say mishpocha? Uh, the Jewish people, it's called to be a big family and a special kind of family. And I want to talk to you about uh, these details. Let's, let's look at the scriptures, Genesis chapter 12, the first five verses. It says, the Lord said to Avram, lech lecha, get yourself up, get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen, away from your father's house and go to the land that I'll show you. I'll make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And you are to be a blessing. Very important detail in this translation. This is uh, David Stern's complete Jewish Bible. You are to be a blessing. Say that with me. You are to be a blessing. Many English translations say you shall be a blessing. And many modern Americans think shall and will are the same word, but shall actually means you should be. There's, a, there's an expectation where will is just an expression of the future. So in the Hebrew, it's very explicit. It's you are to be a blessing, or you could say it more simply, be a blessing. So if you're sitting next to someone who you like, you can tell them you are a blessing, and uh, you can smile back and say, be a blessing. Keep being a blessing. Verse 3, I'll bless those who bless you, but I'll curse anyone who curses you. And by you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so Avram went, as the Lord had said to him, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Avram was 75 years old. Who here is 75 or up? Congratulations, one, two, three. Good. God is blessing you youngsters. Right? Because, you know, this was the beginning for Avram. This wasn't the end. He had a long way to go. Avram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Avram took his wife Sarai, his brother's son Lot, all their possessions which they'd accumulated, as well as the people. It tells us here that that 
the family of Abraham is going to be a big family and a very special kind of family. And if you ask the question, why big? The answer is because that's what God said to Abraham. I will make of you a great nation. Can you say that with me? I will make of you a great nation. And he says to Abraham, there'll be more descendants that come from you than you can count. That's a big nation. The second question, why a special kind of family? Uh, I think that there are two parts to this. Uh, First of all, it's special because by Abraham and his offspring, his descendants, all the families of the earth will be blessed. All. How many of you know that when the Bible says all, it actually means all? All the families. All the families. Wow. All the families of the earth will be blessed. The Hebrew says it a little bit strangely. It says, all the families of the earth will bless themselves. In other words, they'll learn to bless themselves through Abraham and through his family. So here's our calling. We're called to be a blessing to every family. We're called to be a blessing to every tribe, every nation, and every people. That's a hard calling. Now there's a second kind of specialness. It's special because this Jewish family is called to be not just a Jewish family, but a family of many nations, welcoming to all those who would love God and the Jewish people. And there's this strange part of God's call on Abraham that is difficult for Jewish people to accept. And it's so difficult that often we don't even want to translate the text accurately. But you'll see it in Genesis chapter 17, verses four through six. The Lord says, as for me, my covenant is with you. And you will be the father of a multitude of nations. A multitude or many nations. No longer will your name be called Avram, but your name will be Abraham, because I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come forth from you. Now here's the rub for for many Jewish people. You know what, what the word is for nations there? Goyim. Who said Abraham could be the father of Goyim? God said. So God was saying, not only am I going to make the the children of Israel come forth from you, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob coming forth from you, I'm going to make you a father to, to nations, a couple of nations. Mm-mm. Many nations. Now, what if you're narrow-minded? What if you're anti-Semitic? Well, this is tough, isn't it? Because God's saying he's going to use the Jewish people in order to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. But what if, what if you're Jewish and, and you're anti-Gentile? Just as tough, right? And, and what if you're Jewish and you say, well, I don't like the Gentiles because they're always mistreating us. Imagine when you get to heaven and you find out it's not just a Jewish heaven, but all peoples are allowed in. 
What if you're an anti-Semite, you get to heaven? Can anti-Semites get to heaven? Maybe, maybe they can. Uh, but can you imagine the hard lesson? So I believe this is as hard for Jews as it is for Gentiles. The fact is it's easier to be with people who are all the same than it is to be with people who are different. And part of our calling as a congregation, as a community, as the body of Messiah, as the Messianic movement, and as, the, as one part of the greater body of Yeshua, we're called to love and to care for all kinds of people not just the same as us. Now, the fatherhood of Abraham was determined by the Lord and his offspring are called to reflect this. And if we're truly the sons and daughters of Abraham, then we have to embrace his calling and we have to embrace our national calling. So let me, let me tell you, there's no room in the mishpocha to be hating and cursing other nations. There's no room. Why? Because we're called to be a blessing. A blessing to every nation, every people group. Everybody wants Abraham's blessing. The blessing that Abraham has. But most people don't want to pay the price. And let me tell you what the price is. The price is right. No. The, the, pr- <laughs> the price is to love all kinds of people, including those who could be at any moment in opposition to you or disagree with you. Now, I was thinking about the great wisdom of Willie Nelson and Coldplay. Uh, they, they sang, uh, nobody said it would be easy. Nobody said it would be this hard. <laughs> so it's not easy. And it really is hard to do this. Now, when I was growing up, my dad, Bert Levine, made a big impression on me about these things because he was uh, a Jewish man, married to a Jewish woman. We lived in Roanoke, Virginia, in the South, small town, uh, 100,000 people in the city at its biggest, quarter of a million in the whole metropolitan area and maybe a thousand Jewish people. And so we were a minority of minorities. And yet my father was committed to uh, fighting prejudice and discrimination, to fighting racism, and, and he stood up for minority rights, not just for Jewish rights. And remarkably so, he also stood up for the rights of those whose positions he detested. So he believed that even Nazis who he was against, American Nazis who he was against, had a constitutional right of free speech to express themselves. And he would tell me that uh, if, if he doesn't defend everyone's right to speak, then there'll come a time when he won't have the right to speak. And that's a tough position, but that is part of our Constitution, that even, even those who say terrible things have a right to say them. Now, there can be consequences. But he taught me to be strong. And, you know, in the, in the South that I grew up in, 
There was an understanding that there were those people. Now, you know who those people were? Those people were the Jews. Those people were the blacks. Those people were minorities. Those people were foreigners. And uh, those people weren't welcome everywhere. Not welcome at the fine southern country clubs. Not welcome at the uh, southern businessmen's groups and, and neighborhoods and amusement parks. And, and this is what they'd say. Well, those people, you know how they are. But those people were us. We were on the, we were on the side of being persecuted and discriminated against. We understood that. But I can tell you, as a minority growing up in, in the South, we learned to love the people of the South. The, the kindnesses, the, the Southern politeness, even when it wasn't authentic. But sometimes I'd prefer people being, <laughs> I love the South, you know, I grew up in the South, I know the South. Uh, but you know how we can be polite in the South? Uh, and we don't say what we really mean. It's, it's a challenge. Well, I learned many different things from my dad about how to live as a Jew and how to live as a Messianic Jew in the face of discrimination. And as I think about what, what he taught me, I think also about Abraham and what we're reading about this week. Because to be joined to the Lord and to be the father that God called him to be, Abraham, had to, had to get up and he had to follow what God put in his heart and he had to make up his mind to get up and go and to leave and to separate himself from his people in order to make God the source of his highest allegiance and his loyalty. And he had to leave so many possible identities that he could have had. That could have competed with his loyalty to God and the world uh, which God created and loved. You see, God was saying, if you're going to follow me, you've got to love who I love. And I've called you to be a father to, to all nations. Can you imagine? How many of you have, have children? How many of you have grandchildren? And do you love your grandchildren? Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes grandchildren are easier than children. Isn't that right? Our grandparents can tell us that. And our parents can confirm it too. That it's easier for them also. But I can, I can tell you this. That Abraham had to have that kind of love. And he was tempted not to have the love. Do you remember when even he was separating from Ishmael, his son? And it was as if, you know, like, let's, we have no future together. And yet God found little Ishmael and said, I'm making a covenant with him, too. Now, this doesn't abrogate the Jewish covenant. It's in addition. And it shows the great love that God has for Abraham and for the whole nations of the world. So Abraham had to say yes to God's plan to love the world. How many of you have read this in your Bible, for God so loved the world? Did you read this? 
that he sent his son. So as a father, he sent his son to the world. Why? Because he loves the world. He loves it so much he wants to set it straight. He wants to fix it. He wants to redeem it. Now to be sons and daughters of Abraham mean that we say yes to the love that Abraham had that love of God and that love of others by which he lived. And I believe we're living in a fragile time in human history. And it's fragile not because of the way the world is right now. It's fragile because of the way believers are right now. If we understand 2 Chronicles 7.14, which we read earlier. Many people of faith, I think, are being tempted to speak and act without regard for Abraham's calling to love and to bless. And it reminds me of some really tough words that, that, that Paul expressed in his plea to the believers in Corinth. And if you know anything about uh, Corinth, you know it was a wild place, right? But Paul was less concerned with how wild the place was. He was more concerned with how wild the believers were. Hello? Now listen to his words in 2 Corinthians 12, 20. And think about how they're relevant today. I'm going to read maybe from three different translations. Uh, Weymouth said it this way. Um, Weymouth. um, I'm afraid, this is Paul speaking. I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may not find you to be what I desire. Desire. You know what? Let me say it in another way. Paul's saying, I'm afraid when I come, I'm not going to like what I see in you. Not only that, I'm afraid you're not going to like what you see in me. That perhaps there may be contention, jealousy, bitter feeling, a party spirit, ill natured talk, backbiting, undue eulogy unrest. That's what he was afraid of. He said, I'm afraid I'm going to find that. The NIV puts it this way. uh, I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Contention, rivalry, bitter feelings, party spirit. Remember, it's not about partying. It's about being divided into parties. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of this animal and that animal. Having more loyalty to political parties or positions than to uh, the Lord. Now, all these threaten the well-being and the peace of the Corinthian community of believers, and that disturbed Paul. But I want you to think about what happens when people are under the influence of those forces. There are two things that happen very visibly. Number one, love stops flowing between people when they're in that condition. 
Instead of finding reasons to show love to each other, they find reasons to poke each other in the eye and to point out how bad and wrong they are. And they forget what makes people great and what makes a nation great is that we can, uh, we can walk in spirit and truth and we have stability that comes by having uh, two sides to what we're doing and not just one. So love suffers. And there's a second thing that suffers whenever love suffers, and that is the kingdom of God suffers. The proclamation of the good news suffers. The ministry to God suffers. The ministry to one another suffers. And this is why Yeshua was telling us the the one spiritual law of evangelism. Not four spiritual laws, but one. It goes something like this. If you love each other in the way that I love you, then the whole world will know you're my disciples. If you love each other like this. This is the secret to evangelism. And we have found from experience that this is a compelling proclamation of the good news. When people of many different perspectives and backgrounds and experiences can start loving each other and showing that love to each other, it is the proclamation of the gospel for many people. And on the other hand, if you bite each other, if you quarrel, if you have discord and arrogance and a party spirit and contention and stuff like that, if you boast and you're bragging because your people won, guess what? Instead of showing the love for each other, you are neutralized in the eyes of other people. So love suffers. The gospel suffers. Ministry suffers. The Lord suffers. Now with that in mind, can you imagine how Abraham had to keep loving people? That's the example. Can you imagine that when Yeshua was hanging on the cross, he didn't say, they all hated me, kill them now. He basically said, they don't even understand. They don't even understand. And they won't understand until I rise from the dead, that's what Yeshua said, and I defeat the stinking death and sin. And then I return to heaven and pour my Holy Spirit out so that the Spirit of God alive in them is more powerful than every other impulse that they might give themselves to. We've got such a great opportunity. As long as we don't give in to the Spirit of the day, which happens to be the same Spirit that's wanting to have every day. And that spirit of division, that spirit of accusation, that spirit that promotes sinat chinam, free hatred, is alive and well today. And I, I want you and me to be committed to defeating it and to find good cause for being careful in what we say and what we do. Now, we're in this for the long haul. So I want to ask you to do something. Watch your hearts. And I want to caution everyone. I'm going to, I'm going to say this as clearly as I can. 
I want to ask you, every one of you, to join me in being careful about your use of social media and think about uh, how your words and your postings can help people or hurt other people during this fragile time. Be really careful and think about the people who you can see in this room and how they might respond. Now, you might not even know. I'm not, I'm not even talking about political correctness. So if an evil spirit is whispering in your ear and saying, oh, Levine again, he's, so, he's just giving in to political correctness. No, I'm not. I'm talking about something else, the call of Abraham. And get it right. Get that call right to be a blessing, to be a blessing. Okay, so if your candidate lost, be a blessing. If your candidate won, be a blessing. If you didn't like them equally, be a blessing. If you don't admire politicians, be a blessing. Politicians are people too, sort of. You see, when I became a believer, I was a journalist. And my beat was politics, electoral politics. I loved it. I thought it was the center of the universe. Really. And, and I had the opportunity to interview uh, presidential candidates. And I had the, the opportunity to talk to governors and senators and to meet with them and, and have great conversations But when I became a believer, I read something in the scripture. It says our battle is not against flesh and blood. And I didn't know that before. I thought it was. And it says, but it's against powers and principalities and spiritual forces in high places. And we have spiritual weapons that are mighty for pulling these things down. And you know what? It, It ruined my career. Seriously. And when I realized that the world is not under the ultimate authority of politicians and governments, but that there are spiritual forces that want to convince us that it is and to make it so, but the ultimate authority is God. And spiritual warfare helps us get on his side, not trying to get him on our side. So you know what I did when I became a believer? I quit. I quit my job. I started over. It was terrible. And it was great. And From that time, I've never given in to what I had already unlearned, just unlearned. And that is there's something higher than these political forces, these economic forces, these military forces, these uh, forces that want to masquerade as ultimate power and truth. And that something higher is not a thing, it's a him. It's a who. He's a who. 
He's a who? It sounds like Dr. Seuss just showed up, right? I got to write a book. He's a who? (laughs) If I could rhyme, I got to get some of the rappers in the congregation to write some good rhymes. Well, I want to ask you to join me. Keep your hearts open to each other. Be really careful these days. There are things I read that I am so tempted to post and I don't post because I think, well, who will this affect in the wrong way? Who will misunderstand this? Who will be hurt by it? Who will read it and think this is a perfect representation of my position when it's not? And so I don't post those things. And I ask you to do the same thing. Be really careful. Show that love for each other. And it's not a matter of being wishy-washy. It's a matter of being so strong in your love and your understanding of calling that you don't want to give in to that contentious party spirit, that rivalry, that, that stuff that ultimately masquerades and is unmasked because it's not true. And learn to love each other. That's what we're in it for, you know, is the love of God, right? The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to conclude by reminding you that today is Veterans Day. And I want to, I want to thank everyone in this congregation, everyone who will be listening by podcast, uh, who has served our country in the military and in uh, the police, but especially in the military, those who have been... Uh, Veterans. My dad was in the army, my grandfather in the Marines. But can we just join together and express our appreciation for all those veterans in our congregation, in our greater community? Let's thank the Lord for them. Many of you are veterans. Who are, who are, who's a vet here? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your service to our country and to the world, really. So I'm also thinking about the great pledge of our, our country to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. And you know, sometimes we do great at that and sometimes we fall short. And sometimes we make progress, and sometimes we think we've done everything and we haven't. You know, there was a time when uh, blacks were not considered full humans in this country, or counted as so. There was a time when women were not allowed to vote. Uh, But you know what? We read these words, liberty and justice for all, and and it, it hits us. That's what we need to be working for in this country. If we really are proud to be citizens of America, and we really do think that uh, our flag represents the republic, uh, then we remember these words, and we remember that these words take on life and power when we open our hearts to them. And so we can look at our nation, we can say, is it divided right now? Absolutely. What's our aspiration? That we would see ourselves as one people, right? 
from many different backgrounds, many different perspectives, but, but indivisible, standing shoulder to shoulder. Under God, for sure, we need that. Because every nation needs that. Any nation that tries to live without God will suffer. With liberty and with justice for all. Aren't those admirable things to aim for? And it's not just to fight for our own liberty, but to fight for each other's liberty. And not to just fight for justice for me, but justice for you. And to pay attention. So as, as we're posting on Facebook, keep those words in your heart and think about how you can contribute to the common good of this country and to the progress. It's, it, we're already a divided country that needs healing and we're going to need to work on it. But you know what? Second Chronicles is really true. And so we can work on it. And if we do, guess what? It'll have an impact on the whole world. And if we don't, guess what? It'll have an impact on the whole world. So let's pray. Lord, what an awesome call you gave to Abraham, and we accept that call in our lives. And let it be, Lord, that we have a love for the nations of the world, and we have a love for the nations in this country. And Lord, let it be that we love you, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We love the Jewish people, and we love Messiah, and all those who are joined together because of Yeshua. Let that love be strong, let it be shown, let it be visible, and let it have its victory. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you all. Let's, uh, let's stand, and we'll join together for the ironic benediction. So if you're by yourself, just shuffle over somewhere so you're not alone. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha. V'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. Shabbat shalom.